You know, most of you know the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Some of you guys need to control yourselves right now as you're trying to do this. But, but, but these, these nine attributes are what God really looks at in the book of Galatians when he's trying to describe, this is what the, um, I'm sorry, this way. This is, this is what I'm like. If you're looking for what the fruit of the Spirit is, what are the, you know, the follow-up, what, what manifestations of the Spirit. So if you're looking in your life and you're trying to find out what's from God and what's not from God, what is the act of my sinful nature when I'm being self-centered or instead of love, I'm taking? You know, it's, it's, it's how, how the Lord gives you sort of a measurement or a compass to try to keep you on the right path. And uh, we're going to start today with the first one, and that's love. And it's the, the most amazing one, love. And so many definitions that the world has. I, they have TV shows about finding love. I've never seen the show, but I've seen it advertised. They had the show called The Bachelor, where you, 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 people are trying to, I guess they have a group of people trying to connect to one person, and they, they get to pick who they are. And apparently that's supposed to really up your odds to find love. It never does seem to work because you see them in the same magazines afterwards, you know, that it doesn't always pan out that way. That's kind of the worlds of love. It's like I dig you and you dig me and I think you're beautiful and I think you're handsome. And, you know, it's like, so I love you. Why? You just make me feel real good. And then, and then on the other hand, you have, you know, the people who haven't experienced love on the other hand, but they go, love is a commitment. I hate her, but I'm committed to her. That's love. How many want a better version of love than that? You know, I'm stoic. I'm going by the things. I love her. You know, just got us to want to be near her. You know, or vice versa. You know, God has an amazing love that is deep. It's rich. It's pure. It's real. It's not a fake love. Um, <laughs> I think about it this way, you know, when, when I, be, right before I became a Christian, I would say that I was pretty love starved and I was, I was a love skeptic. In other words, I had lost any hope that there was love. And I'm not talking just about my relationship with Jody, where we have a love for each other, but just love in general. I, I'd always, I, I was one of those guys that whenever I saw love in any way, I'd go, yeah, people are just being nice to, cause they got some selfish motive. I don't know what it is, but it's out there. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You know, they're being nice to me, especially, you know, the salesman comes out. Hey, how you doing, man? I love you, man. You're like, come on. You don't, you don't know me. You don't love me yet. Or, or it's an effort. You know, I, I, I'd read books like how to win friends and influence people or how to build relationships. And, and, you know, but in the end, I knew my own motive was so selfish that I thought my love wasn't genuine even though I was trying to be loving, that I figured everyone else's love is probably phony too. And sure enough, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Eventually, everyone would let me down. And then, you know, eventually over a period of time, I just, you know, the concept of love to me because I was an evolutionist and I figured it was just a necessity of survival, you know, to try to find relationships that were mutual of some sort. So I just kind of pursued that and figured, 
There really is no thing as love. It's just in movies and stuff like that. And then I remember my first encounter with God when um, Jody, who wasn't my wife at the time, led me to the Lord. And I remember the first time through the cross. And by the way, this is an eternal love, is it not? When, when Christ dies for you so that you can be with him forever, it's not a halfway, I want to hang out with you, Eric, but as soon as you're an idiot, I'm going to leave. And trust me, I was so full of every kind of drug that you can think of and every kind of debauchery that you can think of, I was participating in. And then I found God. And what would be the logical thing in my mind? A filthy, self-centered person in God's pure love. It would seem that this love would be repelled by this person. Look at this. But instead, because of Christ's death for me, when God's love came into my life, I remember just feeling how beautiful and pure, how untainted, how his love was. As, as he was revealing himself, I could feel his love was moving toward me. And at the same time, I had this thought in my mind from this love that it had been doing this all my life even though I had not seen it. It was an eternal love that says, I've got you from now on. I've got, I've got you in such a way that it's secure. It was such a deep, rich love that I could watch through the years that it would dissipate the fears and the doubts and the things that I had ruined. I mean, there was so many things I had just messed up. Uh, in every area of relationship. My relationships were tattered and torn and bruised and broken. And I honestly did not know how to fix any of them. And anything that I tried to fix, it seemed like it made it worse. How many know what I'm talking about? By the way, I'll have to say this. I'm not saying this to kind of identify with you. I'm saying this because it's just true. It, it has context for me in this topic. I can't describe the love of God without describing its opposite. I was loveless. Imagine if you cried out to God's love and he wasn't there and he didn't answer. Imagine if there was a fire in your house. And you're uh, maybe it was maybe or you're at work and you're at the four-story building and you know and you got your kid with you or something. You know, and you call the fire department and you know, typically they come in like three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, maybe the most 15 minutes because you're out there a little bit, but you know, it's close and you wait and you wait and it goes by, the time goes by and finally you realize that nobody's coming and all you got is that fire and you, man, I am so glad that God's love is the opposite, that you can cry out to God at any time and he will be there. God is faithful beyond imagination. He is faithful. God's love rescued me. I'm serious. I was slowly suicidal. I was ruining my life. I was self-destructive. Any, any hope that I had, I'd lost my hope in man. And I, I'm glad that Jesus says in his gospel that he entrusted his soul to no man. He had to put it, his hope in the Father first. And even in your marriage, you might think, man, you know, it's like, I'm going to give so much love. I, I, I just remember times, even after I experienced the love of God, where Joni and I would look at each other. We were trying to get close and we just couldn't do it. 
We just couldn't do it. Something in me, something in her, we just rubbed each other the wrong way. I'd try to fix it. She'd try to fix it. And no matter what, and I remember so many times where we would get on our faces and say, Lord, if you don't do anything, if you don't do something, we're hosed. You know, I mean, that's, that's what it felt like. It felt like if you don't come through, you know, I have kids that I love. But I did not come from a history of knowing how to love my kids and, and, and be in that way. I just didn't know how to do it. And I remember so many times where I go, my kids need me right now, but I don't know how to be there for them. I just don't know what to do, God. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to say. And I'd feel so empty. And I would finally just turn to God. Do you, know, you know what I mean by finally? How many try everything first? I'm just as stupid as you. Uh, you know, you try everything. And then, and then finally I turned to God and I said, Lord, you got to give me a love. And all of a sudden I'd see that same kid and I'd go, man, I love that kid. And it wasn't like I didn't love them before, but it was a supernatural. I, there was something of God in me that all of a sudden changed who I was. And the same thing happened in our marriage. You know, so many times. And when I say so many times, I'm not talking about the three fights we had, you know, in our marriage. How many know that there's always friction in your marriage because iron sharpens iron, you're always growing? How many know this? You persevere and love grows. I'm not crying, it's just raining. (laughs) But there would be so many times where we'd be reaching out and, and, and trying to get closer and not knowing how. Or... God would touch one of us while the other one was struggling. And, and, and you could tell either I was growing and Jody was still struggling or she was growing and I was still struggling and we didn't know how to get past it. I'm so glad I look now and I go, I love that woman. I love that woman. I admire her. It's not a baloney statement. It's not, it's not a, you know, I really care about her. I look at Jody and I admire her. I love her. You, you know what I mean? And I believe in her. And I am thrilled to be a part of what she's a part of. When she does things, I like to be the person who said, how'd it go? And what happened? And, and be there for, it's not a husband's chore. It's not a, you better go listen to your wife. It's because God changed something in my soul to give me the love of God. And it continues to grow. How many say amen to this? I want to draw a distinction between your human effort, where this fruit of the Spirit context comes from the book of Galatians. I'm going to give you a little context of the book and show you where this love is described. And then I'm going to really ask you to turn to God and ask for him how to show it for you. But God rescues us. He loves us. He is an amazing God. Let me talk about what's at stake And most of you have heard these at weddings, but I'm just going to read it to you. You can put the next one on, Matt. Most have heard this, but I, I want to talk about what's at stake. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, in other words, I'm eloquent. I can speak at the United Nations. You know, I just have a silver tongue that just smooths and moves people. But I have not love. I'm only a resounding gong. Or a clanging cymbal. That's all I am. It's just noise. It's repercussion. It's sound waves moving. But I am nothing. 
If I have the gift of prophecy, man, I know what God's going to do. Right now, he's going to come through that door. And then if I have that, and I can solve all mysteries, right? I can understand them. I understand the mystery of God and who he is. I know when the angel's coming. I figured out the end times. And I have all knowledge. And I can move mountains. Move over there. Kaboom! And he says, but if I have not love, listen, listen to what's at stake. I am nothing. I'm not angry, by the way. I'm passionate. I am nothing. If I, don't, if I could do all those things, but don't have the simple things of love, relationship connection, I am nothing. It doesn't matter. If I give all I possess to the poor, because I'm so generous, and I surrender my body to the flames for you all, but have not love. Think about this. I gain nothing. I am nothing. This is God saying, you want to know something? You can have all that. And this and that and that and this and know this and that and concepts and this. And you don't have love, you gain nothing. You are nothing. This is God. This is God communicating. Understand that God's love is moving in your direction with power. Great direction. He's moving in that way. When he's telling us to love him, it's just a response to that which he is already doing. He is loving us. How many want to be something? How many want to gain something? How many say amen? Amen. This is what's at stake. It's not a little thing. In the, put on the next slide, in the, the book of Galatians, where this fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5, I, I want to give just a little history of the book. The book is that was written to the church in Galatia, which was, it was really written for this context, that they were struggling with some of the Jews that have kind of worked their back. They were non-believing Jews who didn't believe in Jesus the Christ, and they were trying to put a works yoke burden on the people again. So instead of believing that Christ died for us and he set us free and it was his power that's doing this, he wanted to little by little move them back to their own works. And Paul is saying, listen, I don't care if an angel from heaven, whoever does comes to you, don't listen to it. Let them be an anathema. Let them be accursed. And he's saying, this is done not by your works. He says, human effort counts for nothing. I'm giving a summary of the book. He says, you're changed by what you believe, not by what you do. Do I hear an amen? It's your works that, if your works brought you freedom, he says rhetorically in the book, he says, then Christ died for nothing. In other words, if you think you can save yourself, then what did Christ die for? What was the point if you can do it yourself? And then he says this, he says, you're no longer a slave, but a son, you're a child, you're an heir. So he puts all this in context and then he tells them, you have the spirit of the Lord. And then he says, now I want to show you which way it is. Those in the world will chase after these things. And he's going to name these things, things that we've all done or have struggled with. And then he's going to name the fruits of the spirit. And that's where we're going to put our focus. So he calls these the acts of the sinful nature. Understand, we say the acts, but it's the word in the Greek, ergon, which is the works, the works of the sinful nature. This is what your sinful nature produces. The first one there is sexual immorality which is the word parne. Um, who knows what that word means, right? And trust me, if you're a man, and I'm a man, and in my past, I've struggled with that and lots of other things, okay? So I, I, I don't deny it. But you know what? This is what God frees us from, amen? 
And that's why there's deliverance for you who's still struggling with that. Impurity and debauchery. Idolatry, witchcraft. That's witchcraft is you want to control stuff. It's like being a control freak. You know what I mean? Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension. In other words, you know, separation, factions. Yeah, that's why we're not hanging around them. Let me tell you why. Factions. Envy. Man, why do they have that? I wish I had that. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those. Can everyone say those? If you live, if you live like this, in other words, this is the person who does not know God. They are, they are living in this. They don't have the spirit. I encourage you to turn to God through the cross, through your faith in cross. Christ will dwell in you and he will change you from the inside out. Amen. How many say amen? Turn to someone and say, it's by the grace of God, not my works. So then Galatians 5.22, and this is the true love from God. This is where I'm going to start with this concept of love. It says the fruit of the spirit. This is what the spirit looks like. He's saying, you're not saved by your works. You're saved by the grace of God. It's not human effort. Anyone teaches you anything else, they're false. He says, but I tell you, look at the, and he goes into this whole story, you know, about, um, you know, the sons of Abraham and the sons of Isaac and Ishmael. And then he brings it down and he says, listen, it's real obvious. The sinful acts look like that. That's what they look like. Dissensions, factions, selfish ambition, all those things. How many can recognize those in your own life? Come on, raise your hand if you can recognize those. You see it and you go, I'm blowing it. Are you, can you discern that? Do I need, am I pushing this on you or is this self-evident? Okay, it's self-evident. So you're not getting manipulated by the preacher, so to speak. And then the acts of the fruits of the spirit. So one is the acts or the works of the sinful nature and the other is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit is leading to you. Keep in step with the Spirit. Follow with the things of the Spirit. And we're going to look at these over the next several weeks to not only show you what they are, but to encourage you to turn to God for them. And then in obedience to begin walking in those things that God enables you to do. How many say amen? Amen. Here you have them again. The fruit of the Spirit is, and it starts with, can everyone say love? Turn to someone with a nice smile face and go, love. That's it. You know, it's, it's almost, it's almost, you know, if, if you beat up the guy who goes into your house because he's going after one of your kids, that could be an act of love, could it not? So it doesn't always look like this, right? In fact, you're going to find that God's description of love is going to be that. I'm going to show you that from the text, but I want to talk about some practicals. Number one, here's some attributes. Can everyone say love is from God? Love is from God. Whoever does not love does not know God. This is 1 John. That whole context of 1 John is relationship. It's that koinonia love. It's if you are not acting in love, you're not delving in connection, relationship with God. You're doing this. Even if he's there, you're acting in your sinful nature, not led by the Spirit. Okay? Raise your hand if you follow me. Okay? Because if you do not love, you because God is love. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God in him. Now, number two, and this is an important one, is love actually is a commandment. God commands you to love. 
And in fact, when they had the, te- the teachers of the law, they come to Jesus and they say, what's the greatest commandment? Most people have heard this. And they say, what's the greatest commandment? Or how do I get eternal life? You know, there's two questions asked of him. And he says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. It's, it's not like God's up there like this going, yeah, what do you want? Hey, love me. All right, thank you. Praise me. Can you sing louder? Understand that the love of God is already moving in your direction. It is all powerful. When God says all your heart, what do you think God's doing with all his heart? He is loving his people. How many say hallelujah? This is a great thing. And this is very revealed in scripture. Oh, his love is everlasting and endures forever. It flows to, from the throne to you over and over again. This is the first commandment. And the next slide, it just adds this. And this is one of the worst scriptures in the whole Bible. <laughs> because it says, love your enemies. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. No! How many know what I'm talking about? I remember reading this for the first time. And I said, this can't be right. The Bible's corrupted. Something, someone added this, it's wrong. Loving your enemies. But, but you know, and he gives this example. He says, well, listen. He says, your father sends rain and shines sun on the righteous and the unrighteous. How many would like to see your neighbor who might be your enemy rescued by the Lord? How many knew that you were an enemy of God at one point? How many know about your own behavior you've been an enemy of God? Aren't you glad that God had a different attitude with you? He wanted to rescue you. Love the Lord with all your heart. Listen, all the other commandments, you know, work. You know, people go to these husband wives, you know, husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands. This is what I should do. Listen, forget that scripture at all together. Why don't you just start with love the Lord with all your heart and mind and soul and strength? I want to see a husband wake up and love God with all his heart and mind and soul and strength, and he'll have a wife who's really happy. Amen? Because you'll be filled with the Spirit of God. You won't be so self-focused. You'll have more to give, because in myself, I will just retreat in self. Self, 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 self. When I've been with God, he changes my direction, dimension. He expands my thinking. He transforms what my soul can tolerate. I don't get easily angered like that scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. It doesn't anger me so quickly because the spirit of the Lord is in me and he's filling me. And then my enemies, those that you feel betrayed by. Listen, you start thinking of some of the people that you feel betrayed by. It's hard to love them because you start to think, man, why are they doing this? And why are they doing that? Or they burned your heart. You opened up your heart and then they burned it. And now you go, I can't trust that anymore. I got to close off. And here God's saying, love your enemies. Open your heart, love your enemies. Be open. Even God treats his enemies. While we were yet enemies, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's an example. Man, how many think this is tough? Come on. This is tough. It's not easy. It doesn't mean that you don't believe in justice. 
You just go, well, just let everybody just off. We'll just love everybody. No, love sometimes has a truth component that you need to bring someone to justice and they need to go behind bars. How many say amen to that? It doesn't mean you can't love them. doesn't mean you can't forgive them. Listen, number three, love is unique and rare. I love these attributes. I'll just read them real quick and then take them by separate. Most of you heard these at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. One time when I was a young Christian, Jody and I were arguing and she told me about this scripture. Like, why don't you read the scripture? And, and then I read it and I was like, I don't do one of these. <laughs> Not even one. <laughs> Have you ever felt that? You're going, people go, why don't you read the Bible? And I go, because I don't want to be depressed. <laughs> I read the Bible and it goes, and it's love is patient. And I'm going, dang. <laughs> Love is kind. Quiet. I'm trying to have my quiet time. (laughs) It does not envy. Man, I wish I had a stronger walk like Billy Graham. (laughs) There's envy. (laughs) It does not boast. I'm doing pretty good, man. I've had my quiet time every day this week. Yep. I'm amazing. Me and God. Conquering the world. He's got a special purpose for my life. I'm incredible. I think I can fathom all mysteries now and knowledge. I think I could. I wonder if the mountain will move. I'm going to see if I can get the mountain to move just a little bit. Lord, move the mountain. If you want to know what God is like, he's patient. Don't pray for patience. You will be waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting as you grow in patience. Never pray this prayer. Let it just come naturally, Lord, and some side obstacle course of spiritual growth. Let it not be the main course. I prayed it. It was the, one of the very first things I prayed as a young Christian. I read this and I go, Lord, can you give me patience? And then I waited and waited for everything. Everywhere I was waiting. <laughs> Developing patience. Listen, love is kind. It's, it means it's other-centered. It's, it's careful how you speak. Careful how you speak about everyone else. Listen, if you slam people in front of other people, they know you're going to get slammed when you're not around. I really think that the church has not done a good job with this. Of really, I think kindness, compassionate, We have our moments, but I think people slam each other behind their backs and it's so detrimental to the body of Christ. Well, if there's one thing that I could impart to the body of Christ, look at the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in unity of one heartness. Marriage is supposed to have the same thing, one heartness, kindness, goodness. Let that be something that grows in your spirit. Listen, patience, kind, kindness, and then it gives eight negative ones. Let me just touch on them real quickly. It's not envious. Um, it, it's hard. You know, I've, I've been looking, I go, I, I, I talked to Jody she, about getting a motorcycle because my car is really wearing out. 
and she's always been kind of afraid of motorcycles, and I kind of grew up with motorcycles, so, um, you know, we kind of talked it out, but then, then all of a sudden, I saw cool motorcycles everywhere. I go, that is a cool motorcycle I can't afford. <laughs> hey, there's another motorcycle I can't afford. Yeah, you know what I mean? And then, and then it's kind of like, you know, and then I went to the shop, you know, and then you sit on the motorcycle. This is a motorcycle I don't own. <laughs> is there a mirror I can look at to check myself out on the motorcycle? Do I look better with the motorcycle? Am I a better man with the motorcycle or not without the motorcycle? Or you get envious of other people's gifts. Man, I wish I had that. I wish I had that gift. I wish I had that thing. Well, that's why you have your brother. That's why you have your sister. Some people bring things that you don't bring. That's why we're called to be together. It's not boastful. And Juddy would say that. Juddy would tell me, she goes, she goes, she goes, Eric, you're feeling insecure. And I go, why? She goes, because you're bragging when you're talking. I go, not too great for that. I would never do that. And she goes, yeah, you're doing it. She goes, you, you kept doing it. It's like she's, what she's trying to say in a really loving, kind way is you're embarrassing yourself and me. <laughs> but but, but I, I'd, fe- I, I'd feel almost like I had to give my resume just to make myself feel better. So the person would go, no, I really need you to know me. I really need you to know me. I'm not an idiot like I look. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Listen, it, love, God saying love doesn't boast. It, it, it's, it's, it's not proud. It's self-aware. You just have to know who you are. You have to know who you are. It's not self-seeking. It's, it's sacrificial. In other words, there's times when you're with your spouse where you could be talking. And there's times when one of the couple, one of the two of you need to be talking. It's, it's kind of like a healing relationship. You're, you're not, it's not mutual. You're helping them. You're listening. You're just hearing their heart. You're not getting everything off your chest. You're just hearing them. You're active listening. You're hearing what's on their soul to help them empty it out. And instead of fixing them, husband, take what your wife says. And when she's all done, just go, okay, let's take this to the Lord. And just go, Lord, we just lift all these things up to you. Don't go, well, I heard your six things. And here's the four-point plan of how do you get rid of this. First of all, stop it. Just stop doing that. Stop thinking that. Start thinking this. How many know that's a lot easier said than done? Sometimes you don't need to fix everybody. Sometimes you just need to take it to the Lord. Sometimes you need to be in a small group and you just, you get a turn to share and you go, how you doing? And you share how you're doing. And at the end, instead of everybody fixing you in the group, you just take that prayer and go, thanks for sharing. And then you say, let's turn this to God and go, God, Eric's struggling. Lord, we lift him up to you. We pray, Lord. He confessed a couple things and he said a few things. Lord, you can heal these things. And give it to the Lord and watch what God can do when two or more are in agreement. God can heal things in your family. It's not easily angered love. You know? You ever get that way when you know you're, it's kind of like someone does something that's small? It's, something's inside, it's bugging you. You're not living in love. You're living in some kind of fear. You're living in doubt. You're living, you know what I mean, in self-seeking. You're, or maybe you're just trapped. Maybe it's not selfishness. You're just trapped by a situation. Could be the present. Could be the past. And you're easily angered. You just, what? 
And it's like your trigger is not just what's happening. It's a bunch of things that have happened. And some, you might, and it might not even be conscious. It might be subconscious stuff that's there, but it irritates you nonetheless. And you can tell you're not walking in love. God is not there to beat you up to go, oh man, you're not walking in love. Get disciplined. No, that's the time to turn the Lord to say, Lord, I don't know why. I'm easily angered. You know, my advice to you, if you're struggling with anger, easily angered, make the garage or a closet your friend. And when you're going through anger, instead of taking it out and gossiping about everybody and yelling at everybody and hurting everybody and looking to them to help me, fix me, it must be you. I, I tried me and it didn't work, so it must be you. Well, it's not you either. Well, then it's them. It's not them. Well, then it's somebody. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's, maybe it's you again. Why don't you just turn to the closet, close the door, and just, I cannot tell you, Hundreds and hundreds of times where I've just been in the closet to say, God, please heal my soul. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to fix myself. Bring your spirit down. Touch me. Move me, Lord. I'm stuck. I'm hurting everybody around me. Change my soul. This is a prayer that needs to be a part of your life turning to the love of God, letting him change you, letting him take those things that, you, that are broken, where you keep destroying the relationships, you keep wrecking the investments you're trying to make. You start with good intentions, but then your sinful nature keeps taking it over. God wants to give you some of that eternal life and put it in your soul so a love that lasts, so you don't have to play games, is in your life. How many say amen to this? I want to encourage you just to be real. Be real with God. Be real with yourself. And just be with the Lord. He will heal you. Because of this cross has taken away consequences from you. Now you're free to come. If you're in a religious system where you've got to get it all perfect to get healed from God, you will avoid the Lord. You will constantly avoid them. I'm not worthy of it. You'll avoid people. You'll always avoid. But if you understand the grace given you, you will come boldly into the throne room. Just say, Lord, here I am. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for delivering me. Heal my soul. And watch what God will do. How many say amen? And this last one here is a huge one, especially in any relationships. It's not record keeping. You know, you know how it is? Someone burns you? Yeah, I remember they did this. I, I, I've had people burn me through the years. And, and I, could, I could tell because the Lord will bring conviction to me. And I'll go, and I'll just, I'll think a thought about that person. I'll just go, oh, yeah, sorry, they did, they did this. And the next thing you know, you'll be going, yeah, you know, you know, what's her name? You know, she did this. All of a sudden you start gossiping. Because you've already been gossiping to yourself. It's self-talk. You've not really committed them to the Lord. And the Lord will show that as a sign. Eric, it's a faction. It's a dissension. It's an act of the sinful nature. It's not love. It's not joy. It's not peace. It's not patience. It's not kindness. It's not goodness. It's not gentleness. It's not faithfulness. And I go, okay, Lord, I got to give this person up to you. I don't want to keep a record of wrongs. Lord, you've forgiven my sins. And Lord, I'm going to trust that you know how to work with this person. Work in them. And your heart changes. And guess what? 
Every time you have one of those connections with people and you keep this bitterness with them or an unforgiveness, it's like a rope that's connected to them and they're controlling you. Their life, their soul controls you. And pretty soon you've got all these ropes that are moving you. It is the most awesome thing to pull those away and wake up free. Wake up a free man. And literally have no strings attached. Not because your heart's hard. I'm not going to trust anyone. I'm not going to love anyone. I'm going to do it on my own. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where you can continue to look people in the eye and say, I'm not keeping a record of wrongs. It doesn't mean that you can't have justice. That's not what I'm saying. These are one-to-one relationships. Your heart is open. How many say amen? And this is how you know the last scripture there. It says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And if you've ever seen that in your own soul, where you were doing evil and you liked it, you can know that that is not love. I won't have you raise your hand. But I'm looking at some of you right now. I'm just totally, totally kidding. And let me tell you some good things about love. And this is, this is how it continues. Love, it, it never fails. Love is always a winner. You want, how many want to be a winner? You want to win? Love is your answer. It never fails. This is a very rare statement in scripture. Love always protects. You know, you can have, you know, Bob over here. You go, oh yeah, Bob, he did that. And start talking about Bob and go down that way. Or you can protect Bob. Hey, listen. Remember with Noah and his sons? And Noah, this righteous man, he finally, the flood goes down. He lands on this thing. And what does this righteous man do? He gets drunk. Right? Don't you love how the scripture's straight plain? Doesn't play it around. You know, he got, he got, he found some Boone's farm in a brown paper bag and just started chugging it. That's what happened. <laughs> Strawberry Boone's farm. Then he threw it all up probably later. It says, and I'm not exaggerating too much on this. He's got his three brothers and it says that they went to cover him and two of the brothers walked backwards toward him because he was naked. Nothing worse than having your dad naked and drunk in the middle of the field. And he ends up being the preacher of righteousness. Right? Come on, that's how it happens. It says, it says two of the brothers walked backwards and they covered him without looking at it. And the other brother, the Cushites, the Moabites, all those family, nothing against Moab. If you want to name your cities after all the evil people, in the Bible, you're welcome to. But, I'm totally kidding. But the one brother is like, hey, he went like this. And God just looked at him and he said, that is part of the curse that started back in the garden. And here it carries on. And so shall your descendants be that. Don't you want to pass off a good legacy to your kids? That when you see sin, instead of going, oh, like that, you want to deal with it. And you want to cover it, but you want to walk backwards and not shame it. And you just want to go and got love. And then you can go, hey, let me walk with you, Dad. Let me walk with you to health. Let me, let me care for you. Let me show, I'm not going to skip the truth. I'm not going to let you get away with it. But I'm going to take care of this. Love never exposes the next one there. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over what? What? All wrongs. Love covers it. Hatred, what does it do? Descends people, dissenters. It's dissension, it's dilution. 
and it never humiliates. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I remember the first time I confessed my sin in a pretty serious way where I had kind of told people a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I'd never really told people everything that I had done. And I met with a friend who's Stuart Nice. He was the associate pastor, and he, some of you guys know him from the men's retreat. Um, we met, we were hanging out at his house and just talking, and, and I go, man, I got to tell you some stuff I was totally convicting. You know what I was expecting? What was I expecting? It's just like, as soon as I say this, man, he's going to totally hate my guts. He's going to see me for the wicked man I am. And I go, and, and, I, and I go, and I, I had told the Lord, I go, I'm tired of holding this in. I'm, I, I have evil. I have done evil. I, I mean, I had all kinds of things. I've been real wicked to some people. I was a collector also for drug money, and I was not a nice collector. I had sold some drugs that went into high schools. I had sold to somebody and they had distributed in the high schools and I was like, my evolution, I don't care, no big deal. But now that I knew the Lord, I knew how wicked it was. And I knew my wickedness had no limits. No limits. And I didn't know how to tell God the truth. And I remember praying with him, telling him what it was. And I remember feeling the love of God didn't stop. It kept coming. And I didn't know what to do. It was so amazing. The goodness of God is so amazing. And, And... One of my big hopes for the church is that you find the love of God. That you find it. Because it's rich and it can meet you wherever you are. It doesn't matter where you are. I wish you could understand you don't need to play the game and pretend like you've got everything down because you don't. You can just turn to the Lord and understand that He will transform you. Love, number five, is relational. This is how we know what love is. You know, when you hear those songs, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. And I can just, you know, he's singing that song. And all of a sudden, this girl comes out, you know, it's like, you know. And, and it's like, you know, it's like, and all of a sudden, it's like, and now I know what it is. Can you imagine two weeks later? So she's going, why didn't you put the toilet seat down? I thought you were going to pick up my vitamins. Listen, I'm going out with Johnny. Why do you have to go out with Johnny? Go out with me. That's not what love is. Love comes from God. I have, you know, I have a great, strong relationship. Not a perfect one, but a strong relationship, love relationship with my wife. That's grown through the years. It's real. I give all the credit to God. God did it. God did it. He is amazing. This is how we know what love is. You want to know what it is? 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Everyone wants a love that's everlasting. Well, that's why I like the Twilight series, because the vampire's love will be forever. (laughs) Yeah, but what if this vampire doesn't stay true to that vampire? And what if there's a special twist of this vampire and that? For crying out loud, world. You pay eleven twenty-five in IMAX 3D to see that? See Lord of the Rings for crying out loud. Show some class. This is what love is. Where someone has not just turned the other way from your sin and goes, I accept you, man. It's cool. We're cool. Don't worry about it. I love you how you are. Aren't you glad that God doesn't say that? God said, I love you the way you are because I've paid for everything you did. I redeemed you. I bought you. I restored you. This is what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so, brothers, it's finished. It's not up there. We ought to lay our lives down for each other in the same way. It's the same way. This is eternal life, that they may know you. What is eternal life? Relationship. Oh, I get to be in Paris, paradise someday. And there's candy canes and roller coasters. It's going to be so awesome. No. The God that's up there, you will have no more hiddenness. You will be transparent before him and relationship will be real. Your spouse, your friends, your family will be transparent. You'll have relationship like you've never known before. There'll be a depth and a richness that will never end and death will be done. Instead of death ending love or making it ethereal, I know they're going to be with them someday. It's going to be everlasting love. This is what true love is. How many say amen? Almost about to finish here. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He pours his love into our hearts. When we accept the cross, God removes all judgment and wrath from us. And now the Holy Spirit of God who is holy and pure and beautiful and unadulterated and perfect and his love never dies it's kind it's loving it's patient it's good it's faithful it's gentle that comes to me who is unrighteous who is unworthy but instead of holding consequences and repelled against me he comes and he dwells in me he comes into an enemy rather than an ally and then he changes me into looking like his son How many think this is love? And he'll never leave you. And he'll teach you how to walk in this life. Why don't you close your eyes and let me read a scripture to you. And I'll give you a chance to respond. This is Romans 8, 31. I just want to ask you, have you received the love of God? i like you just to, if you really need that extra dose of love. And I want you to be shy. No one's going to look at you. I just want you to come forward to the front here. And just kneel before, the, as if this is, the Lord's not here on the stage. But it's just a place to kneel before the Lord together in unity. Just, if that's you, or you can stand up. Just kneel before the Lord, a way to unload your heart. Just to say, let, just, it's a way to let God know you're serious. You say, God, I want to know you. I've heard you. I didn't just hear 
Eric the preacher, Eric the dude talk, I heard you speak to me through it. And I want to read this to you. It says, this is Paul who couldn't believe the amazing love that the God who foreknew him had now predestined him. He had called him. He had justified him and one day would glorify him. And he said, there's nothing that will separate you. And he said, look at his statements here. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And I promise you, there's some things that you need right now. And you say, Lord, I need stuff from you. I need things, but I need you. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship or persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. No, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. Father, I thank you that you are the God of love. And if you're that person right now who's needing it, whether you're up here or you're sitting at your chair, I want you just to raise your hands and just cry out to God. Just raise up your hands right now high to say, Lord, I cry out for the love of God. I need it in my life. I need it in my heart. I need it in my marriage. I need it in my family. Lord, I need it in my workplace. I need your love. Lord, and you have to give up. I'm encouraging you to give up on your, not because you give up on yourself, but you give on your own ability to conjure up love internally. You say, Lord, it has to be internally by your power. And say, I need you. I need your love. Let God's love rescue you. And Father, I pray that you move with your love across this room right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we reach out to you. Lord, fill us with the love that we don't understand. Lord, and I don't want this thing, Lord, I've asked you already. I don't want this to end as just a a little sermon with a little bit of an emotional response. Lord, I pray that you would begin a movement of love in each person's life here as they respond to you. And Lord, those that are afraid to respond with fear or doubt, Lord, I ask that you work in them as well, that you move with your love, with your power, restore them. And then will you speak that and just say, Lord, I invite you into my heart. Lord, thank you that you love me with an everlasting love. Just tell him, just thank him. You may not believe it yet, but it is true. Thank you, Lord, for loving me with an everlasting love. Thank you that you don't just like me, but you love me. And Lord, that it's deep and that it's rich. And this God will never leave you, ever. He will never forsake you, ever. You will be with him. He's prepared a place for you. And you will be with him so that you can be where he is. This is what his promises are.